This broadcast has been brought to you by Wesley United Methodist Church. For more information, see our webpage at wesleyumc.com. Good morning, Wesley. How are y'all? Well, I'm Rick Ivey. I'm the new pastor of your church. And... Uh, It is a joy to be with you, and uh, my family and I have been here a little bit over a week, and so we have slowly acclimated to the humidity and the heat, and, uh, but certainly enjoyed uh, air conditioning and uh, the good food you all have and uh, the hospitality that you have shown us, and uh, certainly thankful for the staff and for the church members that have welcomed our family, and what a joy it is to be here. And uh, I, I just want to take a moment and tell you a little bit about myself. I know some of y'all have read a little bit about me, but um, I grew up in Lafayette, Louisiana, and just a couple hours away from here, so humidity, heat, and mosquitoes are nothing new to me, and I know how to eat crawfish and rice all day long. Uh, the other reality is that I was born in Houston, and uh, after a couple of years, we actually had moved back to Houston. I graduated high school out of Clear Lake. And then I uh, went on to Stephen F. Austin, which is the Harvard or the Piney Woods. It's a great college. And then from there, uh, I went on to uh, TCU campus in Fort Worth, got my seminary degree there. By, and uh, I served two churches in Canton, Texas. If y'all ever been to First Monday, that's where that was. And then we moved to, back to Houston, served at Cypress for a number of years, and, and then moved up to New Boston, which is up near Texarkana and then to Lindale. And um, I don't know about you, but you know, the denomination I grew up in was United Methodist. I've been a Methodist all my life. Mom's always been in the choir. Somehow or another, my dad ends up on the finance committee. I don't know how he does that, but he always did. And so I grew up in the church, and yet uh, when I look back on it, I could probably remember maybe two sermons. And it's not to say that there weren't some good Methodist pastors that preached. You know, it's just Growing up in the church, I really could not remember that many sermons. Maybe you can. Maybe you've got notes. I didn't take notes. Uh, but I can remember two sermons. One of them was on the movie Chariots of Fire, a long way back. And then the other one was uh, against gambling, right? Because the horse track was about to open up near Lafayette, and he was angry, right? <laughs> so so that's, those are the two that I remember the most. And uh, on top of that, uh, I really didn't understand what the... The great thing about Christianity was, I mean, I enjoyed the youth group, I enjoyed going to UM Army, uh, that was always fun for me, but when it came down to the good news of the resurrection or Jesus' miracles, uh, I was very skeptical and I had a lot of doubts. And so even though I enjoyed being part of a church and I enjoyed helping people and I enjoyed the friendships I made, it really wasn't something that mattered a whole lot to me uh, when we talk about who Jesus is. And so uh, that really began to change in my life when I got into my college years and began to accept uh, who Christ was, began to really uh, ask those questions of, can we really believe in the resurrection? Can we really believe in what Jesus Christ says he can do? Uh, That all changed for me in a pretty amazing way. And the other part of that is that it's continued to change. You know, my life continues to be affected and changed by uh, the good news of Jesus Christ each and every time that I 
read my scriptures, or I pray, or I worship, or I talk to other Christians. You know, over and over again, I'm amazed by the way that God continues to reach into my life, change my heart, and do such amazing things. So that is uh, what I like to see happen for others as well. Uh, When you ask me or when we talk about what do I believe the church is all about, I I think it really comes down to helping people understand who God is, right? That they experience God in a, a wonderful and a powerful way. I mean, so much of my life, I could tell you about God, I could tell you the right doctrines, I could tell you the right teachings, but to really know God, to really experience God, that was not something that I could give much witness to. Uh, and that might be the case for you. And I just want to say there's, there's still hope. There's still a lot of hope in your life. Don't think that somehow or another you're flawed or uh, that God can't work in your life in a mighty and powerful way. The truth is He can, right? Uh, and so what I love to see happen is that uh, God works in people's lives. And probably one of my favorite moments is when I look out on a congregation or I have a conversation with people over a cup of coffee and their eyes just light up, you know? They get those shiny eyes and all of a sudden it just clicks. Uh, They go from being people who are struggling with whatever's going on in their life to suddenly having that peace that passes all understanding, that joy that uh, is unspeakable and uh, and God begins to work in their life in a mighty way. It's just one of my, my favorite moments and so I absolutely love missions, I absolutely love fellowship, I absolutely love all the other parts of the church, but when it comes down to it, my heart, my mission, my goal in life is to take as many people as I can and help them to know who Christ is and to live the life that He has called us to. That is my joy, that is my mission in life, and over and over again when I stand up here and preach or when you talk with me at the grocery store, uh, that is always my goal, is to help people take another step toward being stronger disciples of Jesus Christ, to helping others to do the same. And when that happens, you begin to see not only a church transformed and changed and made better, uh, but you also begin to see the city that you live in be shaped and moved by the grace and the power of God, right? And isn't that amazing to see over and over again? I mean, I never get tired of seeing that happen. But uh, I wanted to spend some time with y'all talking about the basic, the, the first step in all of that, and I know that you're going to say, oh, we, we know this, we know it well, but it is so worth our time to just take a moment and step back and pause and say, you know, what do we do this for? Why are we a church? Why are we a congregation? Why are we in mission to the world that we're a part of? And to do that, I want to share with you one of the earliest letters we have from Paul, and it's in the book of Galatians. If you've got your Bibles, you're welcome to follow along, and it'll also be up on the screen. You might have it on your phone, however you like to read, but uh, you can follow along with me. This is from the first chapter of Galatians, and this is Paul speaking to a church, and Paul's not really happy. There's other letters where Paul's really joyful, like in Philippians and Galatians, Corinthians. He's not really pleased with what's going on in the church. He's rebuking them. He's correcting them. And I'm not saying y'all are doing anything wrong, all right? Hear me, church. I'm just simply saying this is what Paul is up to, and he says, Grace and peace to you from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. He gave himself for our sins so he could deliver us from this present evil age according to the will of our God and Father to be God the glory forever and always. Amen. I'm amazed that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you by the grace of Christ to follow another gospel. It's not really another gospel, but certain people are confusing you and they want to change the gospel of Christ. 
However, even if we ourselves or a heavenly angel should preach anything different from what we preached, to you they should be under a curse. I'm repeating what we've said before. If anyone preaches something different from what you receive, they should be under a curse. So that's a scripture that we will look at. And like I said, it's, it's a really powerful one. It's one of our simpler ones and easy to get our, wrap, our heads wrapped around. Uh, but going back to verse 3, he says, Grace and peace to you from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. And then verse 4, he says, He gave himself for our sins so he could deliver us from this present evil age according to the will of our God and Father. And what's so wonderful about this passage is that in just one simple sentence, you get uh, much of the gospel in a nutshell, right? What is the, the core of it? He says, he, Jesus, gave himself for our sins, right? That's one of the basic things we can all agree upon. Uh, the question, however, is do we know it for ourselves? Right? I mean, we might have it in our heads that Jesus forgives sins, that he can redeem our lives, that he can heal us, but is it a heart matter? Do we know, 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 know that at the deepest levels of our hearts and our lives? Do we understand that? Is it clear to our hearts and our lives? He says he gave himself for our sins so he could deliver us from this present evil age. Deliver us from this present evil age. I mean, to me, when I read that passage, what it says is that Jesus came to rescue us from something, right? But he came into our world to rescue us from something, it drives me absolutely crazy uh, when you hear people say that they don't really need to be saved from anything. And here's why. I, I think it is a matter of people assuming and saying that, you know, in general, people are pretty good. We all try and do our best. We pay our taxes, right? We keep our trash in our yard, whatever the case might be. And we should just accept people as they are no matter how wrecked their life might be or how much trouble they're having or how many sleepless nights they're enduring, how much anxiety they're struggling with, we should basically just say, it's okay, it'll get better, right? I mean, the, the Christian message is so different from that. It, it says that we are a people that are in need of salvation, that we're in need of people that uh, need to be rescued, that are struggling, that are hurting, that have the reality of sin and death in our lives and that Apart from Jesus Christ, we can't escape it. Let me just ask you a quick question. What is the single most greatest thing that you struggle with in your life? What is it that causes you the most hurt or the most pain? What is it that you have time and time again tried to stop, tried to put the brakes on, and yet you find yourself not only being unable to stop, but when you can, you go back to it. And the great news that we find from Paul, he's saying that, that Jesus can rescue us from even that. Isn't that great? Church, isn't that amazing? I mean, when you think about your friends and your family, there's probably things that they have in their lives that you don't think they're ever going to be. That they're always going to struggle with that. Right? I, uh... Y'all awake? We're good? All right. One of my, uh, my favorite stories about how, how lives can change from, through Jesus Christ, uh, I had a guy who uh, was in one of my churches uh, a long time ago. He lives far, far away. You'll never meet him, okay? And so, um, but he was 80 years old, and he had been part of the church that I was serving for a long, long time. And he, he was a gruff guy. I mean, he was really not a whole lot of fun to be around. Uh, and then he was also, 
You'll never meet him. You don't know him. He was also, he was also the head welcomer. I mean, he, he was gruff. He was mean. He had nothing but bad things to say about his church, and he was the head greeter, all right? And, uh, but you know, God's good. God's gracious. And so over time, I got to, to work with him because, because he was the head greeter, the head welcomer, he had to come to church. He had to come sit and worship, and he had to listen to the good news of Jesus Christ, right? And uh, God had him right in the exact place that he needed to be. And I kid you not, about midway through the time that I served in that church, he pulled me aside and he said, I just want to tell you something. You are really messing with my life. <laughs> and I said, what do you mean? He said, well, I have been part of a church all my life. I'm 80 years old. And I won't tell you what denomination he grew up in, but he said, but in that, that denomination, we didn't do the sorts of things that you talk about. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, it was a long sigh. And he said, the other day, there was this lady at the grocery store, and she was having a hard time. And she ran short on money that she needed to pay for her groceries. And, and Rick, I never did this before. I reached in my wallet, and I paid for her groceries. So that's great. And I was, I was like, you know, win. That's a win. He paid for groceries. And then he went on. He said, and then after she left, I, I pulled her aside. I said, you're, you're looking like you're going through a hard time. Can I pray for you? And I was thinking, who are you? <laughs> who are you? He said, no, I prayed for her. And I got her number. And I said, if there's anything else I can do for you, then call me. And uh, not only can I help you, but my church will help you. And I thought, I have nothing to do with this. This is all the work of God in this man's life. This is what the gospel can do to transform somebody's heart like that, right? And when we look at the gospel and the good news of Jesus Christ over and over again, if you will get involved with this and see what Jesus Christ can do, you'll have those same stories, right? And it'll be those people just like him that you say, nope, there's just no way. They don't get it. They don't understand it. They never will. And yet, time and time again, if you will pray for them, if you will talk with them, if you will love on them, you will see their hearts and their lives transformed. So Paul goes on and he shares this good news and he says, um, he gave himself for our sins so he could deliver us from this present evil age according to the will of our God and Father. To God be the glory forever and always. Amen. He says, I'm amazed at you so quickly deserting the one who called you by the grace of Christ to follow another gospel. It's not really another gospel, but certain people are confusing you, and they want you to change the gospel of Christ. However, even if ourselves are, or a heavenly angel should ever preach anything different from what we preach to you, they should be under a curse. And do you see how uh, protective and how uh, concerned Paul is about you know, proclaiming this message in a certain way? And, and later on in the book, he talks about how it's been twisted, how it's been misused. And the main point that he makes is that he says, these other people that you've been listening to, they tell you that in order to be a Christian, here's what you got to do. First, you need to believe. Second, you need to obey. And then third, you'll have salvation. All right? That's what he's saying is the, the wrong gospel. He's saying any idea that you can believe and then become obedient and then have salvation is, is really not going to work. And this is Paul. He's, he's furious. He says, you know, do you see what big letters I'm writing all this in? He's angry, he's furious, because he knows that the good news, the only news that's worthy of us caring to others and sharing with the world around us is the news that we say that first, believe in Jesus Christ, trust in him, trust in what he has done for each of us. Right? 
Let that free your heart. Let that spill God's love into your heart in amazing and powerful ways. Let that transform you. And then you will find the strength and the courage and the, and the dedication to become more and more obedient over time. Now, I'll be honest with you. Uh, when I heard I was coming to this church, one of the reasons I was excited was because you all are Wesley United Methodist Church. And I'll just make an open confession. I am a huge John Wesley nerd. All right? I am. I am. And, and here's why. He absolutely loved sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he did it in all the ways that he could, in every possible way that you can consider. And uh, when you look back and you say, well, what was so important about Wesley? It was because he would leave the church and go share the gospel with people out in the streets and in the coal mines and everywhere he possibly could because he knew the very power of the gospel that it would change the lives and world that he was a part of, right? And one of my favorite things that Wesley said, um, one of my favorite quotes, and I don't know why it didn't get more often used, uh, was Wesley when he talked about salvation. And he said, you know, here's the reality. He says, all people need to be saved. All people need to be saved. And we look at Paul's words, he said that Jesus came to rescue us from the present evil age, that all people need to be saved, that there is no one that you meet, anybody that you are in contact with, anybody that you uh, can possibly think of that doesn't need to know more of Jesus Christ and his gospel. Right? They need to know that. And I know that some people are insulted by that. Right? I know that some people would say, like that country and western song that's going right now, all people are good, but all people need to be saved. That is an essential. There's no one you meet that doesn't need the saving act of Jesus Christ to be a part of their life. So that one's probably one that we could agree upon. The next one is this. It says all people can be saved. And I think that's one of the ones we struggle with. You know, we think about our list of friends and family and we say, I don't know about Uncle Eddie, right? You know, but I don't know about you, but I don't want Uncle Eddie to go to his grave, and the only good things I can say about Uncle Eddie is he loved the Cowboys and he loved to drink beer. <laughs> you know, I don't want that for him, whoever that might be in your family or your friend list. You know, I don't want that for him. I, I want for him to get to the end of his life and be able to say, because of Jesus Christ, my life mattered. My life made a difference. I want him to be able to get to the end of his life and you say, because of me, my grandkids and my grandkids' friends came to know who Jesus Christ was. I want him to be able to say, because of me, there are third world countries that have water wells that would have gone thirsty and died. But because of Jesus Christ, my life made a difference. I don't want anybody else to get to the age of 80 or beyond, 90, you know, as Abraham was good as dead. Anybody to get to that and not be able to say, but because of Jesus Christ, my life was changed and transformed and it made a huge difference. I desire that for everyone. And Wesley felt the same way. He said, all people can be saved. And the third part of that was all people can know they are saved. Isn't that great? Do y'all have any, you know, there's friends out there, out there in your life uh, that, you know, they're always coming up with arguments why the Bible can't be true, why Jesus can't be true, why are there no dinosaurs in the Bible? Have y'all met those people? Right? You may be those people, right? I was. What makes all the difference? A better argument, a clever argument, a good tract? Maybe. 
But there's really not much you can to defend or defeat when it comes down to, I know God. I experienced God. God did something powerful in my life that I never would have imagined. And that's what Wesley says. You, you can know that. You should have that heart knowledge and that ability to be, look back and say, because of what God did in my life, it changed everything. And then his final part was, all people can be saved to the utmost. We don't use uttermost very often. But what is he pointing out? He's saying that salvation is something that should grow and develop and improve over time. That more than just a one-time moment or a one-time commitment that you and I grow deeper and deeper in our faith and in our understanding of who Christ is each and every moment. So, when you look at this passage and you consider who Christ is and and what He means for your life, I I just invite you to take a a fresh moment and just uh, with open eyes just consider where you are in it. Have you received the salvation that Jesus freely gives into your life? Have you accepted what He has done for you and for your salvation? I I think uh, most people uh, when they get done with high school, the, the key thing that they want to do is impress their parents or their guardians or something like that. They want to win their approval, and so they work extremely hard to do well in life, to go to college or to get a good job or, or whatever the case might be. They, they struggle, and time and time again, they, they do their best to live up to the expectations that are in their lives from their parents, and uh, thousands of dollars in therapy later, <laughs> they get to a place where they can say, well, I'm just going to live my life. And if they accept me, good. If not, that's okay. And then what happens? They find another person that they need to get approval from, right? They find a spouse. They find a girlfriend. They find a boyfriend. They find a boss. uh, They find somebody that they're going to continue to try and earn and gain acceptance from. And and that's just how we're wired over and over again. And I can save you thousands of dollars today and just simply say, through Jesus Christ, you are accepted by God, the Almighty. You are loved more dearly than you could ever imagine. You are treasured far greater than you could ever think. And He has done all of this for us and for our salvation. Let that sink deep into your bones this day. You don't have to earn your salvation. You don't have to work at it. Instead, I just want you to accept it, receive it, let it bless your life, and then begin to follow the One who has done all these things for you. Let us pray. Most gracious Heavenly Father, in this time we lift up to you uh, our hearts and our lives. We pray and ask that you would remind us over and over again as many times as we need it that through your Son, Jesus Christ, we are forgiven, we are accepted right now, right in this moment because of what he has done for us through the cross and through the resurrection. We pray in this time, Lord, also for our friends and our family that do not know you, that do not have a saving faith in Jesus Christ. We pray and ask that in the the days and the weeks to come that you would help us to pay more attention and see the places that we can remind them of this great news that we have received. And in Lord, this time, we ask your blessing and your prayer upon this church that no matter what happens, no matter what it is that we might believe this day, help us to always be a people that are about the work and the mission of Jesus Christ. Help us to share this great news of salvation with the world that we are a part of so that not only may we find salvation, but our world might be redeemed. All these things we pray and ask in Jesus' name. Amen.
Thank you for listening to our broadcast. This has been brought to you by Wesley United Methodist Church. For more information, see our webpage at wesleyumc.com.